you're talking about the future of our community, we need to integrate the, the majority's voices and these majority's voices are young people and we need also to build their capacity to be able to adopt to, to the current uh, challenges. And if we, don't, if we don't do that, if we don't invest in that, then we, we don't have a future. Welcome to Urban Limitrophe, a Toronto-based podcast exploring the global African experience by highlighting the various initiatives happening in cities across the African continent and occasionally the diaspora to creatively solve problems, support communities, create vibrant urban initiatives, and build better cities overall. I'm your host, Alexandra, and join me as I explore this episode's topic, climate change. Well, to be specific, we are talking about community climate change adaptation. Cities are major contributors to climate change. In fact, there are estimates that over 70% of the carbon dioxide emissions in the world actually come from cities. This makes sense when you consider how many people live in cities and all the services and infrastructure, like transportation, waste management, and roads, that they require to run smoothly. But as much as cities contribute to climate change, they are also vulnerable to its various effects. For much of the same reasons I listed before, as well as many others, for example, their geographic location. Apparently, more than 90% of all urban areas are located along coastlines, putting them and a significant portion of the world's population at risk of having the full force of natural disasters and flooding caused by rising sea levels. Other issues are caused by the infrastructure itself, that can compound the effects of climate change for those living within the city. For example, the urban heat island effect, also known as UHI. UHI explains how cities are often much hotter than the regions outside of them, and with climate change causing rising temperatures worldwide, this puts many urban citizens' health at risk. Unfortunately, as vulnerable as cities overall are to climate change, this vulnerability is unevenly spread within cities as well as across cities. Within urban areas, there are communities, often lower income and racialized communities, who are more affected by climate change as well as other health issues than their higher income and white counterparts. This has become even more apparent with COVID-19, where for example in Toronto, my home city, black people and other people of color were being infected more by the virus despite composing a smaller portion of the overall population. In many instances, this discrepancy is planned and in fact has a term called environmental racism. Similarly, these patterns of inequality occur at the global scale, whereby studies show that Africa's rapidly urbanizing cities are disproportionately more impacted by climate change despite contributing the least to the issue overall. But it's not all doom and gloom. You see, while cities do present a big problem, they also offer a great opportunity to make high-impact changes that not only help to decrease emissions overall, but impact so many lives at once. So as much as cities are key contributors to climate change, cities and the communities they house can also be the key to help tackling this complex issue. Besides, the African continent has a unique superpower that if leveraged correctly and swiftly, can help address this issue, among many others. 
The Power of Youth. Africa is the world's youngest continent. You heard me, the world's youngest continent. That's because research shows that almost 60% of Africa's population is under the age of 25. And since both population and urban growth show no signs of slowing down, I think that an important part in addressing climate change in cities is getting youth involved as much as possible as they should have a say not only in the kind of cities, but the kind of world that they would like to live in. So this month, we're exploring how one organization called the Hope Raisers Initiative, based out of Nairobi, Kenya, in Korogocho, the fourth largest informal settlement in the city, is doing just that. By leveraging the power of arts and culture, this organization works with the local community on a number of projects that creatively amplify the voice of youth in various city and place-making processes. I was fortunate enough to meet with Daniel, the founder of the Hope Raisers Initiative, to learn more about their current project called Future Yetu and how they're using digital storytelling to support community climate adaptation initiatives in Korogocho and beyond. Let's tune in. Um, so Hope Raises, it's uh, an initiative uh, from young young people based in Nairobi, Kenya, that was started uh, almost uh, 14, 13 years ago. And basically what we wanted to do was to amplify um, uh, the unheard voices from young people who are living in their suburbs within Nairobi. And um, uh, what we resorted to do was to use art as a, as a as a tool to engage a community to start listening to the voices of young people so basically what we do is uh, we amplify uh, young people's voices through arts and sport and um, engage in community conversation around issues that affect our community through the same tools and so how did this program get started like what was the what was it that you saw in your community that kick-started this the, this project Initially, the the inspiration was from from uh, the fact that uh, we, as the founder, uh, uh, didn't have a space to to express ourselves. Um, the, the, the the space to 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 do to to play music to uh, you know to do art was not ex non-existent in our community. So we were inspired by um, kind of uh, creating that space by for ourselves. But later we realized there's so many young people who resonated with, with the same feeling as, 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 as the founder. So we uh, thought that it would be nice, uh, a good idea to expand this uh, and accommodate other young people who are uh, re resonating with the same feeling where you, you just want a space, you can meet friends, you can play music, uh, you, can, you can be young, you know. Uh, so this, this project was inspired by that. And initially, when we started, were most uh, we, we were all musician, uh, young musician who uh, just wanted to play music and to be heard in 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 our community. Yeah, actually, what really drew me to your work was is that um, that emphasis on arts and culture, and you know, amplifying the community voices and particularly youth voices, but also how you like include them in city processes to create change in your community. 
Um, and I think the tool that you're using, arts and culture, is really important, but something that's really overlooked and like underfunded in like city building and urban planning in general. So for those that are still skeptical about the importance um, of arts and culture in creating healthy cities, can you share why you think you know culture is such a an effective tool for creating strong communities? Um, I think I think if you look at uh, from an, an urban urban planning uh, point of view, uh, most of the cities, most of uh, uh, towns in the world are built around culture. Uh, for example, what is culture without, or what is Toronto City, for example, where you live, without without the culture of Toronto? Um, what is Nairobi without uh, the music, um, uh, the transport sector? Uh, which which also forms our culture, uh, the different diverse uh, groups that are coming from different parts of, of of the world and also from just around uh, Kenya. What is how can we define our cities if we don't uh, first of all see the connection between uh, the the making of these cities and building of these cities uh, without the culture? So to me, that's that kind of uh, defines uh, the importance of culture because. It's through culture that you're able to uh, build the civilization. Most of uh, big uh, civilization is built around culture. So, uh, and and that's why it's important to invest in in culture. Um, uh, in the in the in the in the short term, it it might it might look very uh, expensive, but in the long term, uh, the investment can trickle down into how people are integrated, how people are connected. And how people uh, perceive their their country and their cities, and and that to me is why it's important. It's important to to to, to look at culture and and uh, from that perspective. Yeah, I'm actually so I, I work for a public arts organization here in Toronto called Steps Public Art, and so um, my role, a lot of things that I'm involved with, have to do with you know using arts and culture to help transform you know different aspects of the city, but particularly placemaking, which I think taking a look at what uh, you know Hope Razors does revolves a lot around placemaking, which is you know essentially transforming public spaces into community spaces, and I think a really key part of placemaking is you know reimagining what space can be and using creative interventions like you do whether that's like artistic or like athletic or like musical or you know or cultural to make spaces feel welcome and by in part you know like adapting them to the needs of the community but also sometimes you know projecting the future into the space and helping people to like redefine and reimagine you know how community could be and i think uh what are the uh, a prime example of this is your project that you're working on future yetu and so can you explain a bit about what the future yetu project is and what inspired you to start it uh so f- future yetu um future future of course english yetu means our future and um this 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 project was inspired by um, the current uh, ongoing conversation around uh, climate change and uh, what uh, the role of young people in 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 in, in fighting for, for 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 a better world you know this is the world is our home and um, so what how, how can young people be involved and how can young people also help their community to get involved and uh, apparently uh, this conversation is 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 going on in 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 Kenya in Africa in different parts but there is a feeling that uh, there's a big disconnect between the people who are 
uh, tend to be mostly affected by the impact of climate change. And these are uh, poor people uh, in, 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 in urban settlements, in the rural areas, who might not have the uh, possibility to, to participate in some of these conversations. So they, they might not be very much uh, uh, considered uh, as, as, as key, key people. In, in, in solving the problem, yet they're the most affected. So what Future Eto tries to uh, bring in is uh, we're trying to uh, find a way on how uh, this conversation can be approached from a, a bottom up instead of, you know, the conversation is always at the top uh, where we get the people who are affected uh, to, to, to say what they think and to offer solution uh, because it's always uh, solution is always from from the top, uh, um, which sometimes does not seem to be very effective. Uh, so it's more of a public engagement uh, concept where we are using uh, the, the oldest form of conversation and that's storytelling uh, to listen to the people's stories and uh, inspire them to imagine of a solution and these uh, stories can be interpreted or analyzed into uh, into policies and, and even uh, affect how our policies are made when it comes to uh, our resilient is resilient as cities and, and countries and, and the opinions and, and the ideas are are people led people led uh, ideas not uh, not bureau, bureaucrats uh, sitting in hotels or in conferences of course we appreciate that but getting the people themselves uh, to be involved uh, um, and, and getting people to, to say what they feel about it. And so that for us, that's, that's what we're trying to do. And, and it's kind of an experimental also because, uh, you know, you, when you're, you're getting people to be engaged and involved. Uh, so we are, we are also bringing in the, 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 the county, for example, the county of Nairobi, we, which is the... Uh, uh, tasked with the responsibility of uh, developing uh, mechanism and policies and and and, and helping the city uh, um, uh, be able to adopt to to the to the climate uh, climate change. So what we are trying to do is to bring the county uh, policymakers in a in a in a table with the community and uh, ask them to listen to the to the community what the communities want. Uh, and, and also have the county uh, talk to the community of what are they doing and so that there's a, there's a connection. Otherwise, it's like two players uh, trying to solve a problem in a different context um, and, and there's no, there's no uh, connection. So what we are trying to do is also create that dialogue between the community and the people involved. Yeah, I think that dialogue is like super important, especially that you're talking about championing the, the the voices of the community, which are often like overlooked in these types of like processes and like policy building and making decisions. But I really like how the work you do in general, you know, particularly focuses on youth voices, which are really, I think, often ignored in city processes. And, you know, thanks to your activities, you've created, like you said, this unique pipeline, you know, from community to government, but also, you know, from public observation into like public policy. So I wonder for those who are 
<laughs> still having a hard time grasping the importance of having like the youth voice in these type of decisions, these type of conversations. Why do you think the youth voice is so important to incorporate in climate adaptation work, but also just like city building processes in general? Um, if you look at uh, Africa generally, um, the biggest the biggest population, without doubt, is young people. And uh, if we're talking about the future of Africa, if you're talking about the future of our community, we need to integrate the, the majority's voices. And these majority's voices are young people. And we need also to build their capacity to be able to adopt to, to the current uh, challenges. And if we, don't, if we don't do that, if we don't invest in that, then we, we don't have a future. Um, there, there is a lot of challenges currently uh, our continent is facing. And there's been a lot of voices on many issues. Uh, for example, currently there's a big debate on, on, on International Monetary Fund uh, giving uh, loans to Kenya, and young people are starting to question why why do we need to why do we need to to, to borrow money which we which, which cannot be accounted for, and and putting our governments responsible because we we are we are the ones who's gonna we are the ones who are going to to bear the, you know, the, the, it's our children also who are going to be affected if we're not involved. So that's why it's important to, if we're talking about the future, um, the future of our countries, the future of our continent, it's important to in, integrate the voices of those people that we are talking about, because they, they are the ones who, who will be in government, they're the ones who will be running our uh, our countries and, and finding ways on how to better things in our country. So we have to create a better a better platform for them to do that and and that's allowing them to speak and and also share their their opinion yeah and i think your particular approach you know using storytelling but also particularly digital storytelling is really interesting in that way because um i feel like with covid we've become more and more acclimated to using you know digital technologies but i feel like before covid uh, people were a little bit more like reluctant so i like how uh, I find it interesting that this is like the particular approach that you you use and that you found that, you know, digital storytelling is a tool, um, uh, you know, to encourage community participation in these like climate ad adaptation projects. So I wonder what um, what kind of digital storytelling mediums did you did the community end up producing through this project? First, it's not a new concept, uh, the digital storytelling. Um, uh, it's been it's been there since uh, I think 80s. And it's 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 a new medium in 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 our context uh, where when you look at the mobile technology in Africa, uh, there the, there is massive and millions of people are able to access that. And the the idea is uh, how how do we do we build the capacity of our population to use these gadgets for for something something uh, to inspire change to inspire uh, you know to inspire uh, conversation and 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 because we we tell stories we have exciting stories uh so the the, the, the digital storytelling uh, platform enables anyone uh with a simple simple understanding basic understanding of for example filming audio recording uh, editing uh to just uh it gives you the power you know to without without feeling judged or without uh, so much technicality or bureaucracy around telling your own story for example if you if you analyze what we've done 
in the story in the stories that you you'll be able to analyze uh, in our website through the storytelling you can now start to see how people interpret for example the idea of climate change and how it affects them uh, and this this would not have been possible if uh, if we did not uh, document that uh, if we did not prompt them to 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 see that it is it is simple to use a mobile phone with a, maybe a, a simple software like we video for example to record edit and just tell how you feel without uh, being judged like uh, from this we need a, you know we need it to be a professional uh, recorded professional uh, photo that's, that's not important the important is we want you to tell your story and we want to show you how you can use just a simple gadget that you have to 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 to, to be part of contribute something for for the common good um and also the, uh, these stories uh, they're personal because then when 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 people do, when the community members uh, learn how to do it they can share they can share it with their peers and 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 it's more exciting because then uh when when they see that they have the power to do that to aid it to create and share it with their friends and they can tell them oh look i managed to do this can you listen to this story and then they create a conversation mm -hmm. around that uh that's that's the beauty uh that's the beauty of uh, digital storytelling and and then we can analyze uh, the, the 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 impact of uh, uh for example climate change from from a from a professional point of view what are the challenges what are the uh, real issues that these communities face and uh, these stories gives us uh, a proper analytical view of uh, the situation from the ground yeah and so what were some of the say the key insights that were shared by the community you know about how climate change was affecting them or how they were interpreting you know this issue um, throughout this program well, one of the most interesting uh, thing that came out is that um, it, 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 in spite that they're not very much involved in this conversation at those level that I talked about, they are quite aware of uh, what is happening and they they see this daily and they they are also uh, involved in, in, in doing something. You, you, you'll hear stories of um, uh, community organizing themselves to try and, for example, uh, address the issue of uh, pollution, which is a common in our community, uh, address the, the, the issue of uh, protecting our rivers, um, or uh, addressing the issue of food insecurity. There are uh, stories of uh, resilience, stories of uh, uh, efforts by the community to, to try and, 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 and address the issues and 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 also when you analyze it is that there are so much aware and there are there are a lot of efforts done by the community to mitigate against this uh, i will say i will say that there is indigenous knowledge when it comes to uh, the challenge and the indigenous solution which is um, mostly many times ignored uh, because people tend to look for solution from of course experts and uh, rarely do they do they integrate communities' uh, opinion, uh, and 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 it, it's 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 also becoming very clear that the community knows what uh, what is supposed to be done, but then there's the challenge of 
making this possible for them to do what what is necessary and that's where now the the connection between uh, people who are into policy people who are uh, the government or leadership who, who work deeply with the community uh, with the community needs to come in and listen to to, to this this solution but uh, it it is a mix of uh, it is a mix of uh, insight that we got uh, challenges uh, uh, efforts made by the community uh, the steps and um, also um, to me, to me, the most important is what the community is doing and what trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think what you said is really important that community knows best. And that's something I think everywhere, <laughs> like, um, let's say like decision makers or people in government tend to forget. And so I find, you know, this project particularly interesting that, you know, how you're able to in integrate these different levels of government and other, I guess, like urban departments to help in producing uh, you know, the final project coming up with the ideas that we'll get into a little bit later on. But something I wanted to touch upon was how, because I know as part of the project, you know, it happened in multiple phases. In the first phase, there was like essentially like consultations and workshops, you know, where you kind of got these insights and like digital storytelling. But then in like the second phase where you're uh, kind of brought it outside of these like community groups that you had created and taken it into the community with a really unique way through the Matatu exhibition. And so can you explain more about this exhibition? I saw it was like on a bus, which I think is super cool and how you came up with this idea. Yeah, so the, it was in, in, in different phases. So first phase was to first understand what uh, the community uh, understanding about the terms, climate change, climate adaptation, and all these <laughs> terminologies and, and, and whether it relates to their daily experience. So we did like a baseline survey, which uh, gave us a kind of an anchor on how to approach the digital storytelling. And then we did the storytelling workshop. We invited community leaders and we had a workshop for three days. And then we, these stories developed by the community leaders invited uh, were later subjected to like a public uh, uh, exhibition on, 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 uh, in the public. So we, we decided to use it. The Matatu is a, is, a public, is a common public transport in Nairobi in the urban centers. Uh, and many people use that. So because of COVID, uh, it was very hard to mobilize people in, a, let's say, in a community hall or in a social center to see the stories and then that, and then people give, give, to give their feedback. So what happened is in Matatu, we have this kind of fancy Matatus with big uh, screens that you can you can rent and uh, go around the city watching TV. So we decided to use that as a as a tool, and uh, so invited the community to see the stories created by their leaders, and then ask them what they think, uh, just to give us more, you know, information about because uh, because if we worked with twenty or fifteen people initially, we wanted also to have a, a bigger a bigger sample of uh, community saying, okay, this is what we think about this issue. Uh, so it was also more of a kind of a, a small research, but also experimenting on how we can also use our public our public transport system, which is also unique to inspire conversation or to bring in dialogue and around issues, for example, uh, because it's very common used by, by many people and uh, going around the, the, the community and 
uh, sharing about the project. So basically that is what the Matatu exhibition intended to do, uh, to, 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 to subject the stories again to the public for, for, for public opinion, which later uh, informed now the prototype that we talked about, the, the uh, it's a Korogocho uh, community uh, carbon pocket uh, pack, carbon pocket pack. So it's kind of a carbon, if you understand the, car, the carbon sink uh, concept where uh, building a carbon sink to, because one of the thing we identified later from the community, one of the key problem, uh, we, we live we live next to the biggest dump site in the city. And uh, this uh, dump site, it's called the Andorra Dump Site, has had a huge uh, health uh, impact to many, uh, many people and it still, it still does. And uh, we wanted to approach um, from a climate adaptation point of view, that issue of uh, environmental pollution because it, it has a health, health impact in, on, the, on the people. If we can, we, we can address that. So the, uh, the outcome from the community feedback was to have something that can help us mitigate the, the, the pollution, the environmental pollution. So the idea of the carbon pack was uh, community pocket, pocket packs, small, <laughs> small pocket packs was in, initiated from, by the community themselves. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I find it really interesting uh, going back to the um, Matatu exhibition, how, um, like you're saying, you know, because of COVID, you can't meet in in community like squares or community center or like room, you know, because you can't. It, leveraging like the a typical mode of transport to like really meet people where they are and really hear from all kinds of people in that way, I think is really is really cool and something that <laughs> I think that idea, you know, of course, of meeting people where they are is something that should be definitely integrated into like community consultations and and in general and community engagement in, in general because I'm sure you get some better samples and you allow people who uh, wouldn't normally show up to these kind of meetings to give their input oh thanks um so yeah going back to the carbon pocket park so yeah so that was one of the ideas that the community had come up with through the three phases of this project and so I found really interesting how that came together and how it looks and how it's helping in terms of uh, addressing one of the climate issues that the community themselves came up with. So I wonder um, if you can share what are some other prototypes that the community is hoping to launch next? So the, the carbon pack, the carbon pocket packs um, was, in, was uh, like I said, inspired by the, by the, by the fact that we, the community realized that the, the biggest challenge is environmental pollution, which is caused by this uh, biggest dam site in, in the city. And uh, so the, 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 the argument was, how do we in a small way show the, how do we show the, the community on what to do? What do we do? Because now it becomes very challenging to relocate people, relocate the dam site. Uh, what can we do in a small scale? So we we uh, sat down together with the community and uh, they decided that we can use uh, the simple uh, spaces, which is the uh, schools. So we have two public schools in, in the community and uh, majority of children go, to, go through uh, this public school. So we thought that the best way we can do is to bring in children again because we are talking about the future of our community how do we want the future to look like 
Uh, so we, we worked with the children in the school to realize this concept, uh, the, carbon, the carbon pocket concept, and then use that also as a platform to, um, to also lobby uh the, the 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 county government which we we are now in the process of developing a manifesto like a manifesto of uh, our community manifesto on climate change what uh, what the community really want because the county uh is also in the process of developing a manif a, a, a climate adaptation uh plan the, the county of nairobi so we want uh, the community uh, voices and ideas and uh, uh, you know thoughts to be integrated into into the county uh, into the county climate adaptation plan. So that's like the last phase of the project. Uh, but but what what has really also happened is uh, the coming together of different organization uh, in community to create the Korogocha Climate Adaptation uh, uh, Association that can take these ideas and these concepts uh, further um, um, in, in, as we continue to, to engage more. So at the moment, the last thing that this project intends to, to achieve was there, uh, because policy is key, policy and policy is very important and, and also uh, connection between the, the government and the people is very important because they, they you know, and with the policy, it's much easier to lobby. With the policy, it's much easier to, to push for for structural or uh, uh, whichever change that we want to see so the next is the manifesto which which is uh, been uh, almost done and it will be launched very soon and handed over to the county for hopefully they can integrate their community voices to the to the plan yeah it's very uh yeah it's very exciting <laughs> i can't wait to see uh to like kind of look into it when it's when it's available um uh, so yeah you mentioned the Korogocho um climate you know adaptation association that you you've created or that you're hoping to create as a result of the like the manifesto and the different work that you're you're working on um who will be kind of like staying on at this project um uh and and this topic and you know ensuring there's like the community link how is that association created and who from the community is included in that so the Korogocho climate change—I uh, would say uh, what what we will call—we will call it Korogocho climate change vulnerability assessment and uh, response plan, which will be guided by the uh, the Korogocho climate change uh, association, which is an association of uh, uh, instit uh, learning institutions, community-based organization, uh, garbage collectors, and uh, environmentalist activists ecological justice movement so it's a, it's a it's a mix of uh players stakeholders who are uh, also involved in in the in the in the in the, in the whole uh, uh, struggle for uh, a, be a better climate for for for, for nairobi so uh, the stakeholders are from different you know different organizations different individuals who are interested uh, those are the ones who forms, and of course the committee that the the team that we've worked together uh, with in 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 the in the previous like developing the story the stories and coming up with the with the assessment and the prototype. So it's a mix of all those. Yeah, it's it's a community community led 
and people's led uh, um, uh, initiative. Now, from future year to something, uh, it may, it 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 changes uh, to uh, something something much bigger than 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 future year two. Yeah. Yeah, I think that sense of com- continuity is really important. So what you're saying is, you know, you had like a committee that was working with you throughout the whole, you know, future yet to project, and then you have this association, and that's gonna, yeah, snowball and keep rolling into even bigger and and better things. And yeah, like you said, beyond future yet to itself. So that's really, I think it's really important, and I'm excited to see how it all folds out, uh, unfolds, and and you know how that impacts the community. And so my next question is, you know, what's next for like the Hope Razors initiative in general, now that you're sort of wrapping up this project and, you know, I know you already do so many different things. So yeah, what's next? <laughs> it's, it's quite, it's quite uh, a complex question in terms of what <laughs> next. Um, I think, I think we, we're still, we're still, we're still committed to our, um, to our vision and our objective of um, forwarding in uh, uh, young people's young people's uh, uh, perspective solutions to issues using arts, and so so we we will just continue to do that. We still remain committed to that. But uh, uh, at this moment, we we because we've been we've been working for the last fifteen or the more years. <laughs> Uh, the next step is to be able to uh, probably uh, expand our model to other places in in, in outside Nairobi, uh, maybe other, other other cities in Kenya, and and kind of uh, div- uh, share this share the model to on how you can work with arts and culture uh, to 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 inspire um, change or to inspire conversation around. Uh, young people present. We want to present uh, young people as a part of the solution, not, not as a problem. In because that's how many many places we are we are uh, represented as uh, a problem. Problem. <laughs> we cause we are the cause of problems, but uh, we want to we want people to see how how the energy the energy and the positivity that. When you give young people an opportunity, what uh, and guide them in a good way, uh, considering our our societies has a lot of issues to be solved, a lot of issues to be addressed. So, from my young people's perspective, uh, so that's the frontier that Hope Raises wants to to take uh, in the next in the next coming uh, future. Yeah, I, um, yeah, as a youth as well, and who's you know, active in a number of different, like, community groups addressing a number of different topics. I I definitely agree with you that youth are often kind of, like, pushed aside and kind of ignored in these different issues. But I think, I know that we have, like, a lot to say. And, yeah, I I think that expanding this model to other communities and other cities is, uh, can only bring greater things and offer more opportunities for youth who may not think that they have um, a role in, you know, changing their communities you know from the age that they are like they don't have to wait to like grow up to 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 make meaningful change in their community so i think always having examples of how that can be done and also opportunities of course you know for for them to actively be listened to and their ideas to be integrated is always important so that's that's great and so my last question is how can people support your work it's through sharing what we're doing 
uh, getting to you know getting to follow what we're doing uh, um, uh, through like what you're doing now. <laughs> uh, it's it's one way. Um, uh, but for more information, you can always also check on our website on how you can get involved. For example. Uh, to and 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 uh, you can send us uh, an an email or you can just reach us and say oh maybe I, I uh, this I think I'm interested in this and we can we can we can let you know how you can do that. Um, you can check us on Facebook on on Instagram on. <laughs> On Twitter, and uh, it gives you a, a proper uh, a ways on how you can get involved with with the whole process. As the name implies, through its various initiatives, Hope Raisers not only raises hope in the spirits of local citizens through arts and culture, but it raises bridges between city builders and citizens that allow for the community particularly youth, to be meaningfully engaged in climate action and in other urban processes. And as climate change continues to throw new surprises and challenges at all of us, I think that relying on this special combination of culture, community, and creativity will make room for the collaborative and innovative ideas we'll need to overcome each and every one of them. Thanks for listening to this episode. To learn more about Daniel, the Hope Raisers Initiative, and to see videos and images of their various projects, visit www.hoperaisersinitiative.com. For this episode's show notes and other resources, make sure to visit www.urbanlimitrof.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and follow the podcast on Instagram to stay up to date and stay tuned for new episodes coming your way every month. Until next time.